Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. If you're remodeling or building a new home, you don't want to miss these podcasts. We share information about every component of your home. You'll learn about tile, appliances, cabinets, paint, flooring, trends. Yes, we have it all. Well, today is February 9th. And our guest today is Chris Novelli, who started um, last week explaining to us about the process of, um, I guess you'd say, building a home from start to finish, pre-planning to move in. So uh, Chris wants to explain, obviously, a little bit about himself so that you get familiar with him. Um, Although I did, uh, I'm going to post his website, which probably has his bio on my post. But Chris, welcome back again. Thank you, Nancy, for having me once again. It's been, uh, it was a great conversation last time. I look forward to another great conversation. It was. I'm getting to know you real well. And I can't wait to, in a couple of weeks, talk again about another um, design process that we won't give away. But uh, Chris, uh, first of all, let's tell people who didn't listen to the first podcast a little bit about your background. Sure. I'm I'm an architect that's based out of Massachusetts. Um, I focus on custom residential design, um, as well as I spent a lot of years uh, in multifamily uh, housing and senior housing as well. Uh, I host two podcasts. One of them is uh, focused on urban planning for small to mid-sized cities. But the podcast I think that your listeners would be interested in would be Uh, the Home Design Academy, where I I give advice to homeowners uh, who are going through the process of uh, building or renovating a house. Um, I also uh, have taught at several colleges, taught architecture and design at several colleges, and I am currently writing a book uh, to help homeowners as well through the process. Well, for the sake of time, we have been talking last week, and we're going to talk again this week, about the process of building a home, whereas your podcast is more Mm in-depth. So Mm -hmm. if you're interested in this podcast, if you found that it's very interesting and you want to uh, proceed with listening to Chris's podcast, because you're going to learn a lot more, because we can't tell you everything. Chris, what is that podcast? It's called The Home Design Academy. Okay, and they can find it on all the platforms, whatever. You can find it on anywhere to. you find podcasts. Right. Yep. Okay. So last week we talked about several things, which Chris is going to summarize. Sure. Uh, so the topics that we talked on, uh, we touched on last week were pre-planning, that sort of dreaming stage. We talked about getting started, hiring an architect, buying land, what you need to get do to get started, whether you're building new or renovating. We talked about the pre-design analysis, uh, looking at the site, the environmental conditions, the zoning laws and the programming and the performance programming. And then we got into schematic design, which is the rough draft options, which is an iterative process that gets refined over time. And I think where we left off was moving from schematic design into design development. I think we are talking about bringing contractors on board at this stage as well. Right. Um, so really quick, I think the design development phase can be summarized by saying it's a refinement of the design. At this stage in the game, you've you've narrowed down to one design option that you're moving forward with. Um, and But even though it's narrowed down, there's still room for flexibility. At th- this is the stage where I like to involve consultants um, that could be 
uh, heating and cooling consultants. That could be a kitchen specialist. That could be an interior designer or a lighting specialist or a landscape architect. This is a good time to involve those consultants because the early design concepts have been flushed out, but we're not too far down the line where changes can't be made. Mm-hmm. So, so um, do most people have their own kitchen designers or consultants, interior designers, or do you bring them on board as a team that you've worked with before? I have a couple that that I've worked with. Um, and sometimes the, the client has someone that they want to work with uh, who, you know, maybe they did a project with in the past or that they've heard uh, good things uh, about. Um, and then other times there's no outside consultants. It, it really depends. It really depends on sort of the scope and scale of the project and and what the homeowner is willing to invest. Um, I always recommend that it you know investing more on the professionals on the design side will will result in a far better product in the end. I'm sure one of the questions people ask you is, well, who pays for this design uh, person? Whether they're a kitchen specialist or whether they're a lighting specialist, is that part of your package, or do they get paid directly from the homeowner? So, if it's a if it's an interior designer or a kitchen designer, um, most most often when people work with me, that's someone that the owner would hire. Um, if it's a mechanical engineer, that's usually would fall under under the architect scope. Right. But I'm I mean I'm pretty flexible. I think most architects are flexible too. If 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 the uh, client wants the uh, architect to have the specialist consultants under working under them, then that can be arranged. It's just going to affect the way that the billing occurs. You're not going to get anything for cheaper, right? <laughs> it's you're still gonna you're still gonna pay for it. Just do you pay one person or do you pay two people? Exactly, and you do get what you pay for. Oh right? yes, absolutely. <laughs> yep, you get what you pay for. Okay, so what's next? Um, next, I, I think, you know, we talked about this briefly last week, but bringing a contractor on board early, I think is, is a, is a really smart thing to do. Number one, we talked about just how busy contractors are and how hard it is to get a contractor to even look at your project, let alone commit to some sort of schedule. So bringing them in early gets, gets your product project on their radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also allows the contractor to become part of the team rather than if you do the traditional design bid build uh, sequence where the design is completed, the, the construction drawings are completed, then you go out and you get multiple quotes from multiple contractors and you pick the lowest one, that usually ends up in an adversarial sort of relationship between the professionals and sometimes even the homeowner. So exactly. if you're looking for a smooth construction process, Bringing a contractor in early as part of the team is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you ever get a contract? First of all, do you have a list of contractors or what do you Yes, do? I, I have a list of contractors that, that, I, that I've worked with in the past um, and then a, a separate list of contractors that I've seen their work and respect their work, but I haven't yet worked with them. So mm-hmm. um, I usually will recommend... Uh, that the, my clients go in and contact those people. But, you know, oftentimes they have contractors that they've been referred to as well. So mm. um, Don't I'm you not... feel it's important for the homeowner, if they're going to be working with you and the team and the contractor, they should get to know the contractor and maybe talk to one or two to see if their personalities and their presentation work for the homeowner? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Get it. Having that personal relationship is, is key to a successful project. Um, you're going to be spending a lot of time with these people, uh, not just your, your consultants, but your contractor. And you need to not only think about what it's like, dur- what it's going to be like during the, the nice times and the friendly times, but you also got to understand that construction is a, is a hard business and surprises will happen even with the most detailed set of plans. And you need to under, or you need to anticipate what it's going to be like getting into an argument with that, that particular person um, or, or having those, those tough conversations. And Mm -hmm. if it's someone that you can't get along with, I think that, that it's just setting it up for a a harder road. Absolutely. Well, especially with the projects that are room additions or remodeling, that person's going to be living in your house practically. Oh, absolutely. I always say that uh, communication is important. If you can't have some sort of communication and quick response from the contractor. Maybe he's not the one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some people don't care about that. They'll kind of lean on maybe their designer to talk to the contractor or their architect, you know, how how involved the architect is. I'm sure you're very busy. But um, I have a presentation that I do. I want to remodel my kitchen. Where do I start? And one of the key things I tell people is get to know these people that are going to be working in your house or that you're going to be working with. If you can't get along with them, if their personality doesn't mesh with yours, go on to the next one because it's so important. And I've seen Mm -hmm. the animosity build up between homeowners and builders. And then I've seen where the contractor becomes part of the family of the homeowner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You always want that one. Yeah. Yeah. You want that one that also does good work (laughs) because you can be the friendliest person in the world. But if they don't do good work, then. Right. So I always suggest that they go see some of the projects that the person has done and also talk to the owner of the project to Mm -hmm. see if it was hard for them to go through this project or if it was just a piece of cake. Yeah. Uh, Not only seeing work that's 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 completed because you can tell the final quality and craftsmanship but if you could convince a a contractor that you're talking to to bring you on to an active job site you can learn a lot by them do they keep the job site organized or is it an absolute mess right are there things all over the place are you walking through and are you hearing the subcontractors you know muttering things under their breath because they're disgruntled uh working with this person those are all those are all cues uh that that it might not be a, a good person to use for your project. Right. And I've suggested that, but I've also heard contractors say, well, my insurance won't let them do that. And you tend to mm-hmm. think that they're hiding something. Yeah. The, the, they're a little bit more open to letting me come on the site, um, maybe more than, than a homeowner. But uh, Yeah, you know, but the homeowner is the one that's going to be paying the bills. So yeah, exactly. I exactly. think they should know. <laughs> Okay. Um, Also, when you create a team and everybody is in sync, do you have construction meetings, including the homeowner? Yes. I like to have regularly scheduled construction meetings where all parties are are present, the the homeowner, the architect, the contractor. And if you're talking about any specialist, specialized uh, item of work, then that specialist should be there as well. Yeah. What you don't want, what your home, what your listeners don't want, is they don't want to be having meetings without one of those team members there and making decisions without one of those team members there because the flow of information is critical and and keeping everyone on the same page. Um, 
And I think we talked about uh, last time too. Like, I think you mentioned like someone talking to a framer and then right. asking that person to make changes. And that's not the person that you want to talk to. Right. Yeah. I mean, people should realize that they don't just work independently. The subs are working as a group and they're, <laughs> whatever they're doing is going to affect three or four other subs. So that's why it's important. Um, And also those construction meetings kind of eliminate the phone calls that you get every five minutes from some people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you'll run into, uh, you'll run into people that like to do that uh, both on the client side and on the contractor side where every little thing that comes up, it's a, it's either an email or a phone call. But if you have those regularly scheduled meetings, you can, you can save all your questions for that time, uh, unless it's something critical that's right. going to delay work. Yeah. If it's critical, you don't want, the homeowner doesn't want to hear, look, we'll answer that in five days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then the contractor's just going to say, okay, well, we're just going to leave and go to another project for the next five days and we'll, we'll see you when we get an answer. Yeah. And by that time they'll forget. <laughs> right. So construction drawings, where are we with them? Yeah, so I think we, we got into talking about construction a little bit there, but we got a little bit ahead of ourselves because we haven't finished the drawings yet. So after the design development phase comes the construction drawing phase or the contract document phase. Um, and this is where the final detailed drawings are are created. These are the, these drawings and specifications. Now, the specifications are sometimes incorporated into the drawings or on a larger project, it could be a separate book. But these drawings and specifications um, are what the contractor is going to use to price the project, to, to pull all their required permits, and, and to actually build your house. The drawings and the specifications represent a legal contract between you and your builder, right? So whatever's on, that, on those documents, you're, you're, the contractor and you are agreeing, the contract will, will provide what's in the drawings in exchange for whatever price that you're willing to pay, mm-hmm. right, or that you agree upon. And so the mistakes that people make in this phase is trying to hire maybe, you know, a, an unlicensed drafter to do the drawings be, to, to save a, a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And you might not get as complete of a set. Um, I like to have a highly detailed set of construction drawings because not only will it make the uh, pricing easier and more accurate, it will have less surprises on the job site. It will have a smoother construction period and everything. And and everyone knows what's expected of them. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know about Massachusetts, Rhode Island or wherever, but if you have a a really good construction drawing set and you put it into the city for permit, you'll have less questions from them. And so that will facilitate the, um, the timeframe, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the more, the, the more detailed your set of drawings are, the easier it's going to be to pull that permit. Now I do know of architects in different parts of the country that no matter how detailed their drawings are, they still, uh, have, a list of questions uh, from the permitting office. And I hear from other architects that some of these building inspectors and some of these building departments are so understaffed and so busy that a lot of times they'll just issue a standard set of questions and revision, revisions, revisions, sorry about that, without even actually looking at the documents just to sort of, you know, get, get it in, you know, get it in and out the door. And so um, a lot of times it, those architects that that are dealing with those situations, I've heard 
that the architects and builders are submitting drawings when they're maybe 50% complete just because they know that the city is going to kick it right back with these standard questions. So um, it all depends on where on the uh, situation that you uh, find yourself in based upon your geographic region, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, but- I've heard many, many times here in the Phoenix area that if the homeowner brings the drawings to submit to the city, they'll go through quicker than if an architect or a builder puts them in. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and so, it, and I, and again, this this is dependent on where you are in the country. But I, I have never filed for a permit in my in my 22 year career. Right. A homeowner has never filed for it's always in, in here in Massachusetts at least. At least in the projects that I work on, it's always the contractor that files for the permit. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe on smaller projects, the, the homeowner would, but um, I've yeah, never some, seen it. Some homeowners are more involved than others. And yeah. so the ones who are really involved, who want to know every single thing, and I mean, they have the time and maybe the knowledge, and they mm-hmm. have uh, submitted for the permit. I want to talk about, well, we talked about construction drawings and then they should be complete. But at that point, we have a team, including a contractor, a general contractor. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a general contractor, a complete set of drawings would be used to then get a price from two or three contractors. Correct? Yep. And, And the same thing applies that we talked about before. You want to interview those people. Um, you want to get to know them and you're, you want to judge their personality as much as their price. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if you choose the lowest cost, you're going to get the lowest quality. Oh, exactly. Well, I've seen it before where the uh, you have two contractors, one price comes in so much lower than the other. People don't realize they're either eliminating or they're using inferior material or mm-hmm. maybe the construction drawings didn't specify particular brands of certain things. And so the contractor says, oh, I didn't know that you wanted this. I bid yep. base box cabinets. And, you know, if you want uh, custom, oh, awesome. then you're going to have to yeah. pay X number. So the more complete the drawings are, the less questions when they're putting a price together. Exactly. That's that's another another checkbox for a complete set of drawings right there, Nancy. Like you talk about um, the situation where if you have a, a base set of drawings, just a basic plan, uh, elevations, and maybe a cross section um, with a couple notes on there. Uh, if you give that to a set of contractors, they're they're to price out. They're going to make assumptions. And those assumptions might not align with what you want. And what you're going to find is in the field, uh, you were expecting those custom custom cabinets, but the contractor has priced out those uh, box cabinets. Yes, a uh, lot you know. of times homeowners yeah. don't realize this because yep. they're overwhelmed. There's so many things. Somebody told me that when you build a house, you have over a thousand um, choices mm-hmm. or questions that you have to answer or items that you have to think about. Now, having a professional team, that eliminates a lot of the questions and a lot of the choices because we help them out. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're their trusted advisors. Mm -hmm. We guide them through the process um, and we help them along the way um, to avoid those situations where they're going to end up paying more. 
Yeah. I've worked with um, a couple of builders, one in particular, where they would give a list of um, sources. Say they were finding cabinets. They'd say, okay, mm -hmm. go to these five cabinet companies or go to these six uh, suppliers of plumbing fixtures. And the homeowner had no clue. Uh, first of all, they're not, they don't know what their budget is. And they don't yeah. know one uh, brand from the next, so they have to rely on the salespeople. Now, I hate to say this, but there are salespeople who are very good at what they do, and then there are salespeople who know that they have certain spiffs if they sell certain brands. Mm -hmm. So to be, yep. to be up front, I think the contractor or somebody, I mean, me as the kitchen designer, I will say, okay, I'll go with them and say, this is what we need. And then, okay, I know prices. You, I mean, I don't want to get mm -hmm. into kitchen cabinets, but there's good, better, best on everything, everything yep. that you choose. And so when the people go shopping blindly, number one, it takes longer, right, for the project to finish. These people are overwhelmed. So just to, um, just to say or to remind people, you have to work with professionals because we're there to help you and guide you. And at the end, the project will come out better and you'll be happier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's a little bit more of an upfront cost, right? I understand that. And I understand people are trying to get the, the, the lowest price possible, but this is not an area that you want to, that you want to skimp on, right? You want to hire the best professionals that you can. Mm -hmm. I think I just ran into bidding and negotiations, didn't I? Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, we were talking about the two different methods of uh, of obtaining a price, which is after the drawings are are done, you you get your final price. So either one, you have the contractor as part of the team, like we talked about before, and in, if they're part of the team, they've been updating the price as it goes along. That's a that's another uh, benefit for having the contractor on board early, because you can get these updated price and price uh, checks. And it's not a big surprise when, you know, when it's done. So what happens if you, if you've, uh, you know, designed the house and done all the drawings and now the bid comes in 30% higher than you, than you expected, where are you going to make those cuts, right? To get it, to get it down. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having the contractor on board early is, is always is good, but you know, it's not all, you don't always get the best price. So, uh, finishing the documents and, and having multiple bids is, is another, is another method. Um, and so that's the, called the begin, the bidding and negotiation phase. Um, again, though, like we mentioned, it's all about picking the right team. Yeah. Now, let me just throw this in, Chris, cause I'm sure we've all experienced this. You'll always run into somebody who says, Oh, my cousin's brother is a contractor. Oh, yep. my neighbor's friend is a painter. And yep. Yeah. First of all, don't don't ever fall for that because we find it hard to work with your friends and relatives because they always know best. And yeah. then when they do something wrong, who's going to yell at them? Who's going to correct them? Exactly. Exactly. And then it, if they do, and even worse, what if they do something that's really wrong and you have serious issues and then now you've lost a friendship or now uh, your Thanksgiving dinners are going to be a little bit more awkward. Yeah. Okay. Time for a uh, true story here. Many years ago, I was brought into a, well, he called me and said, I need a couch. And I walked into his two-story um, house and I couldn't believe the disaster. I said, you need a house? I mean, you need a couch? Really? He goes, well, no, not really. 
what do I do with this kitchen? My friend, quote unquote, remodeled it. He never finished it. He left wires hanging. Nothing was even. It was such a mess. He goes, how can I fix this? And I said, oh, I hate to tell you this, but we have to gut the kitchen. In gutting the kitchen, we found that his friend had cut into the glue lamb beam that was holding up the second floor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> his friend had since absconded, gone out of, I don't know, state, country, never to be found again. And the homeowner is left with this mess. And this is what happens sometimes when you get somebody that tells them they know what they're doing, that they're professional when they're not. Mm -hmm. And then you need to pay twice as much to fix their mess. Yep. So do it right the, the first. Right. Do it right the first time, and you and you pay once. Uh, try to cut corners, and you're probably going to end up paying twice. Exactly. Exactly. Well, before we get into construction administration and all that good stuff, I want to talk about monogram. And eventually, the homeowner is going to have to pick appliances. So I just want to remind people that, yes, there is a long lead time because of the supply chain. And I keep saying this, and everybody's in the same boat. Don't think that you're going to go from one uh, source to another, and they're going to say, oh, yeah, I got a bunch in the back room. I can get it in two weeks. They can't because they all go to the same manufacturers. So Monogram is, is a real good appliance. I have used them a lot. I love them, actually. Mm -hmm. I've been to their um, factories in Louisville five times. So great place. But their intelligent appliances are built to enhance your kitchen, cuisine, and beyond. Experience peace of mind, convenience, and an optimized performance with the Smart HQ app, which elevates the way you interact with your home and appliances by allowing you to do things like preheating your oven from your phone and checking how much time remains on your dishwasher cycle. So go to monogram.com to learn more, or you can visit your local showroom to see and touch these appliances and ask as many questions as you have. Oh, so back to our construction administration. Yes. So now we've the design is completed. The construction drawings are completed. You have a contractor on board and agreed upon price. And now we can actually start building. So at this stage in the game, we, we might be a year into the project already, right? or at least six months. Mm -hmm. And so finally, we get to the job site. And finally, we get to start building this thing. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, about uh, in construction administration um, is scheduling. And things will take much longer than you anticipate. And your decisions or lack of decisions are going to greatly affect how quickly and how smoothly things will go. And also your changes if you decide to change your mind after you've decided what you want. Oh, that wow. I, can I can I tell a quick story here? Oh, sure. Uh, your I, I, worked, I worked on a project. Uh, uh, it was a custom home. And the uh, it was under construction. Foundation was poured. Framing was complete or was nearing completion. And it was getting time to order the windows. Uh, contractor and homeowner and architect this so this is not my project but this is a, a project from a colleague um the contractor the architect and the homeowner uh sat down to to uh choose the windows because it was just left pretty vague on the drawings of about what brand and type of window they want um so they they chose i don't know pella or marvin or something like that mm -hmm. and they decided to go forward with that contractor places the order Windows are delivered, I don't know, 10, 12 weeks later, 
and uh, the install starts happening and the homeowner decides that they didn't like the windows Good and time. they had and the yeah and so they had to to completely stop what they're doing take out the windows reorder from a different manufacturer another 12 weeks happens uh, or 10 or 12 weeks go by uh you know for the lead time now the homeowners has paid have paid twice and so yeah don't make changes uh i mean and i guess in the end they were happy with the windows that the that they ended up with but it costs them a lot of time and a lot of money. Right. People don't realize that your windows have to be made. They're just not on a shelf like Home Depot. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So uh, be aware. So what's our next thing? The, other, the next thing I want to talk about is payments. Um, oh, and there's a couple yeah. different ways to pay a contractor, right? This is yeah, not the fun stuff, giving right. up giving up that money. Some contractors might, might give uh, a... A cost for each sort of trade of work, right? Okay, the foundations are gonna are gonna be, you know, the first thing. So you make a a payment on the found on the foundations, and then that works at work happens, and then you have to give another payment for the framing package, and then maybe another pa- uh, payment for the envelopes, and another packet payment for the windows, so on and so forth down the line. Um, another way to do it is monthly requisitions, which is based upon uh, percentage complete complete. Uh, that's work you know, that's, that's been completed and or materials that are stored on site. Um, that's a little bit, uh, better of a way to, to do it in my opinion. Um, but some of the smaller contractors don't like that because then they sort of, ha- they might have to float the, the, the work where, meaning where they have to sort of pay out of pocket and then, mm-hmm. and then get reimbursed by you as the work gets finished. So some of the smaller contractors don't like that, but the big thing with paying contractors is you do not want to pay in full until the work is complete. I I have seen and heard so many horror stories of people paying their contractors, especially at the end of the project, right? That final payment. And then they just walk away and don't finish. Let me just say something about that, Chris, because that's a good point. Whether it's building a house or refinishing furniture, don't ever give that final payment until you're totally happy. Otherwise, they're not going to come back. You're not going to see them. Yep. Absolutely. I have to throw my two cents in every once in a while. And it's all from experience. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Did, do you ever do anything on a cost plus basis? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, it, it Again, a, a lot of times it depends on, on the contractor and what they like working with. Um, I mean, if you t- start talking about larger projects, then sometimes different funding sources will have uh, uh, different contract payment methods that they like to mm-hmm. That they like to. Uh, I have to seen go with. bids from contractors where there's one lump sum. Some mm-hmm. of them will break it out um, by different areas, construction, and then maybe framing and finishing the outside, and then flooring and different finishes for the inside. Some e- of them, yeah. Yeah, I, I was gonna say even with sorry, sorry, to interrupt. Even okay. with uh, uh, th- those lump sum or fixed price. Uh, uh, contracts. I like to see them all broken down by trade. Uh, it makes too. it makes it easier to evaluate. But you bring up the cost plus, and and now that I'm thinking of it, with the drastic fluctuation in material prices that we've mm-hmm. been seeing over the last couple of years, a lot of contractors are switching to the cost plus method, mm-hmm. um, which means it's it's essentially means that you're not getting a, a an overall price. Um, for the entire job up front, but you're getting 
whatever the material costs on that day that it's ordered, plus whatever markup right. the contractor puts on top of it. Sometimes there's a guaranteed maximum price uh, with the cost plus contract that that limits it. But um, yeah, you with with these with these with the inflation and the economy, uh, the way it's been the past couple of years, a lot of contractors are moving to cost plus. Yeah, specifically in wood prices. Um, yeah. I got a cabinet price a year ago on a project I'm doing. And it was based on my drawings. And even before we went in to then specify door style color, et cetera, et cetera, he said, my wood prices have gone up 30 to 40 percent. Mm -hmm. The homeowner can't hold somebody to the price that they previously was given because these prices have skyrocketed. So you have yeah. to be understanding as a homeowner, you're paying more for eggs and you're paying more for wood. So yep. I don't see anybody saying, wow, the price really went down. Nothing goes down. <laughs> Nothing ever goes down. Maybe your checkbook. Yeah. And if some if if something does come down, like you mentioned lumber, right? Lumber went through the roof last mm -hmm. year, but then it started coming down a little bit. But you know, that came comes down, but guess what? Something else is going up. So mm -hmm. yeah. it all ends up going up going up in, in the long run, which is another which is another uh a vote towards moving forward with the project efficiently rather than taking a long time or delaying it for a couple of years because it's nothing's going to get cheaper. Right, exactly. So if you, I'm working with a, a couple now and they're actually so involved in the project and the design phase was a year. And so yep. uh, it's a very large to remodel. I mean, mm -hmm. I think there's two little rooms we're not remodeling. And I keep saying, you know, if you don't order certain things like appliances now, you're going to get an increase and you're also going to delay your uh, delivery date. Mm -hmm. So if yep. you know, if, if you know exactly what you need for windows or for cabinetry or for appliances, don't delay. You, you know, exactly. the prices aren't going to come down. They're not going to have a super duper sale where you're going to go, wow, I should have uh, waited. I saved uh, $2,000. You won't do that. It's not going to happen. Yep. One okay. last thing I want to say about construction administration um, is on inspections. And so hopefully either you or your contractor has filed for all the necessary permits. And along the line, you, there's going to be inspections from the local municipality. Um, these inspections will include uh, the foundation, it will include framing, it will include insulation, rough electrical, rough plumbing, final electrical, final plumbing, so on and so forth. And it culminates in the final inspection, which results in a certificate of occupancy. Now, you can't, now this is getting into project closeout, the next phase, mm -hmm. um, but you cannot move into your building or start using your building until you have that final certificate of occupancy from the building inspector. I was told that you can get a CFO if you have one toilet flushing and one sink working. Is that true? I've heard that too. It, it you know, it really depends on the city or town. Um, I've seen some, some, some uh, inspectors are pretty loose and other inspectors are, are very, very strict. So. Okay. So if a couple moves into their house without a CFO, without a certificate of occupancy, what happens? Does somebody mm. come in and throw them out, or do they put yellow tape across the front door? You know, I've never had that happen, so I wouldn't <laughs> really know. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure they would be probably there'd probably be some sort of fine, um, or and they'd be definitely be asked to leave. Now, I I have seen uh, on the commercial side, 
I've I've seen um, people try to start using like an office building uh, before a certificate of occupancy is is released, and on there and that ends the 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 inspector has the right to sort of shut down the business, mm-hmm. um, at yeah. least until it's resolved. Even though commercial and residential kind of walk along parallel, but then there's a lot of differences between them. Yeah. Right. You agree? And, and I, you know, I, a lot of the inspectors are reasonable, right? So if they're, if you're, if things are not like 100% complete and you need to start moving furniture in because you've got nowhere else to store it, you know, they might, you, they'd probably be, uh, yeah, they'd probably be willing to, willing to, to accept that. But, you know, like, like you said, if you want to start living in that house and you don't have a working toilet or a working kitchen, then, you know, chances are they're going to say no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now I've got to talk about, um, plumbing fixtures. Like we talked about a, um, working toilet. Everybody needs that. Yeah. Well, Studio 41 is your complete solution for any kitchen or bathroom design project. They provide everything you need for your project from complimentary design services, which I don't know why I keep saying that because I'm the complimentary design service. Uh, cross out complimentary uh, to the best quality products and innovations available in the industry today so they have showrooms in illinois 13 of them and they carry everything from all your plumbing fixtures uh, to cabinetry tile windows we have one uh, studio 41 in scottsdale they don't carry tile and windows but i use them exclusively for my plumbing fixtures and for um well, cabinetry, I can use them for cabinetry, but I've got to tell you about their selection of hardware for cabinetry. I have never seen as many handles as they have, probably over a thousand. So that wow. is a great place where people can walk in and um, visualize because they do have cabinets. Bring in a cabinet door. Hey, you know, I might bring this up too um, before I finish this commercial. When you're shopping for finishes, bring as many samples of whatever you have with you, whether it's a tile floor sample or a backsplash sample or a countertop sample or a wood sample, painted sample, whatever. Otherwise, you're, nothing's going to match. And that is just going to take longer to make decisions. So have your little bag with all of your samples. Uh, so That's a great tip. Yeah. So for a compl- if we're well, so I was saying about Studio Forty One. We have one in Scottsdale. We have thirteen in Illinois. But they also have a wonderful website, and you can visit them at shopstudio41.com. You can also order online for, from them or from anybody else where you see anything. But be aware, we call those people e-shoppers when you kind of go off the beaten path and order different things that you expect your contractor to then put in and something is missing or something isn't right since you ordered it you're responsible for it so don't forget that okay chris we can continue now those are those are some great tips there nancy yeah Uh, i'm definitely gonna go check them check out that website i want to see all those uh those uh different options yeah yeah they're great um I, I think all of my projects right now are in a different phase, but with Studio 41, whether we are waiting for the uh, material to come in or um, waiting to order. I mean, beautiful stuff. And, and by the way, it is a Kohler showroom, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, what are we at now? Great. Are we so ready now to move in, Chris? We're getting there. We're getting close. So now we're at the project closeout phase. So... We've been through construction. Hopefully, it was as smooth as possible. 
we all know that there's going to be surprises. We all know that there's going to be uh, things that don't work out perfectly. Um, but hopefully everything uh, went as smooth as possible and you're very happy with the final result. Now, when you go, get into final, uh, when you get into the project closeout, some of the things that's going to be going on is um, punch lists, which a punch list is basically a, a list of corrective items that need to be addressed. Uh, you know, if there's damage to the walls or if something's not functioning properly um, or if a, you know, a cabinet door is not aligned properly, that's all, that's always a common one, especially with those box cabinets. And let um, me, a, let me add that yeah. your crooked cabinet or uh, your light fixture that's crooked will not stop you from moving in and getting a CFO. Correct. Correct. Um, so with with this punch list items, it's it's items that the contractor needs to correct. Now, this gets back into paying the contractor because if you've paid the contractor in full, unless unless they're unless they're a really nice person, they might yeah. not complete all those punch list items. Yeah. Right. So you have to hold back a little bit of money, and it has to be enough money for it to be worth it for that contractor to come and, and make all these final corrections. Um, but one mistake I see too is homeowners thinking that every single little thing is a punch list item. Uh, you know, it, it, no one is perfect. No contractor is perfect. There, you know, you can expect the best that that you know within reason. Um, but unless you pay, unless you've paid a premium premium price for a premium product and a premium contractor, you know, if there's a little bit of, uh, I don't even know if if you know, if there's a little bit of paint that's a little blotchy, um, that's not necessarily always a punch list item. Mm-hmm. How long does, in Massachusetts, how long does the contractor have time-wise to correct everything? Well, the the warranty period is usually about one year. Um, but I like saying if it's a punch list item, I, I like it being being done and completed before a homeowner moves in. Because mm-hmm. once they start moving furniture in, then it can be a dispute on who actually caused the damage, right? True. You know. True. So another tip, another tip during project closeout, document everything. Take a picture of every wall in every room, every ceiling, every floor, every cabinet, everything. Video or picture, just just in case there's, you know, disputes in the future. Yeah, and turn on that date stamp thing that you have on your phone. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, and also, say it was a warped cabinet door. Don't expect them to take a week to do it. It takes a while to make things and to replace. But if you've documented yeah. everything and you can prove that, well, you didn't warp the door, well, then they have to replace it. I believe in Arizona we have two years to warranty oh, okay. to warranty your product or your service from the registration registrar of contractors. Another thing that happens during this project closeout phase is the homeowner is going to get trained on how to use all the building systems, mm-hmm. your heating systems, your cooling systems. You know, if you have a photovoltaic system on the roof, um, building systems are getting more and more complex complicated, um, but also more and more uh, reliant or, or, or involved in, in, you know, technology. Like you, you talked about those monogram appliances where you can sort of control them from your phone. Um, there's a lot of that going on with mechanical systems. And so 
you should be trained by the contractor or by the installer on how to properly use and maintain those systems. And one thing that I really recommend is to record those training meetings, right? Because it's very easy to sit there and nod your head as as your the mechanical contractor tells you what you need to be doing each month or or every year to make to keep that mechanical system operating at peak efficiency. And you know you could just be sitting there nodding your head along, but then they, they leave and and six months down the road you're scratching your head on what they said. So um, I recommend recording those training meetings because it will be it will be valuable in the future mm. or don't you think that a lot of times you can go online and find a video that trains um whatever you're needing training in yeah you that could you could too. i guess it depends on how complicated the system is um especially well getting on the commercial side or the or the multifamily side when you have these larger buildings the systems tend to tend to get really complicated so mm-hmm. um and also yeah. for a homeowner it's overwhelming um, yeah. I, I did a kitchen one time that was state-of-the-art gorgeous, and she insisted on a steam oven, and she moved out. They sold the house. She had never used that steam oven because she couldn't remember how to use it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. And um, I had offered to have people come in from the manufacturer to show her, and she's no, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. But you have to be – know the product that you're trying to learn and if you have questions don't hesitate because you're not the only one there are plenty of people Mm -hmm. that we didn't grow up with the internet if we're a certain age and so you are going to have questions and things are changing constantly so don't feel embarrassed because otherwise your product whatever it is your heating system or your um, appliances they're going to sit there and you're not going to use them and this is important yeah, one thing that's that's also uh, something to consider is entering into a service contractor a service contract with the mm-hmm. people who have installed the equipment, right? right. So if if you have a, a, a heating system, uh, retain that contractor to maintain that system for you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to know it better than anyone because they yeah. installed it. I don't know if they do this in Massachusetts, but we have a, a maintenance contract, so twice a year. They come, mm-hmm. they set it yep. up for the winter, and they set it up for the summer. And that's yep. invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. The absolutely. worst thing is to have no air conditioning when it's 120 degrees. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now they're, they've moved in. Yep. Do, you, do you continue the relationship with your clients? I do. I do. I like I like to continue my relationship po- post occupancy. I like to check in with them, at least at a six month date, at a one year date, and then you know maybe down down the line as well. So some of the things to consider post occupancy is keeping a, a detailed list of everything um, that's going on with the house, things mm-hmm. that you like, things that need to be corrected by the contractor, and even keep, keep a track of things that you don't like. Um, and share that with your we'll share that with your designer, right? If there's something that you that that you don't like, I want to hear about it. Right? I do too, especially I might, if I specified I might, it. <laughs> right? I might not be able to to you know solve the problem for you, but maybe I can solve the problem for for the next person. So yeah, that could be even something like I mentioned that you know in uh, in the performance programming section that we talked about last week. I talked about. Uh, glare on a TV during the football game, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe, and so maybe, maybe the person, you know, that I designed that for said, you know what, Chris, I do actually get a little bit of glare on the TV and, 
you know, there I might have to check my, I'd have to go back and check like the reasons why we orientated a building a certain way. But, mm. but then there um, are really great window treatments that are blackouts yes, and of they're course, automated. Of so they might have to do that. Yeah. Um, I worked with a contractor slash architect. He was a, a built a suit and his thing is to go back to the homeowner anytime they needed anything. And he kept being asked to change light bulbs. Oh, really? Yeah. And he'd go back because he was a real nice guy. Oh, yeah, I can do this or I can do that. But you've got at some point you have to say, you know what? I mm-hmm. should get a handyman. I mean, yeah. this poor guy who built this gorgeous house for me and I love it, but they're not your maintenance people. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah. yeah good point. Mm-hmm. It's nice of him to keep that relationship going and to, and to do those things. Yeah. Um, but there's so many hours in the day. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have taken almost an hour, which is unusual for the people who typically listen to Home Design Chat with Nancy. I usually go 30 minutes, but Chris, this was so important. We had to split it in two parts and yeah. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to go three parts because I know we're both busy and it's interesting. I find it very interesting on the process of building a house from design to move in. Absolutely. So, do you have any closing comments? Yes. Plan for more time, plan for more money. Uh, construction costs go up every year. So if you're waiting to do a project, expect that you're going to pay more. Hire the best professionals and involve them throughout the entire project. Uh, do what is right and don't do what is cheap. And finally, strive for better performance. Um, a code minimum house is the worst house that you're legally allowed to build. So strive for something a little bit better true and if this is your forever house you want the best possible um, house that you can get because you're going to be living in it for the rest of your life well and talking about that we're going to talk about aging in place the next time chris visits us i haven't scheduled that yet but that is a great conversation because you Mm -hmm. know what we're all getting older every day yep Thank you so much, Chris, for being with me. Thanks, Uh, Nancy, for having me. Do you want to mention your website URL and your email, please? Sure. My my website is n3architecture.com. My email is chris at n3architecture.com. You can contact me with any questions. And then also, if you go to n3architecture.com slash resources, so that's the resource page, you'll find a PDF download, five tips to get started on your project. Um, and then also uh, the book that I'm writing to help homeowners is going to be published any week now. Um, that's going to be available from a PDF download right from that same spot or also on Amazon. So if you go to that uh, resources page on my website, um, if you download that guide to get started on your project, you'll be updated on when the book is ready for release. Mm-hmm. And I might add that your website is N as a Nancy, yep. the number three, not spelled out, yep. architecture.com, right? Correct. Okay. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. And please subscribe on the platform that you're using to listen to these podcasts. Both Chris and I really like the idea of people subscribing. And don't forget to share them with your friends. As if you listen to this podcast and all of my other podcasts, you'll see that they are full of information that you want to share with your friends. If you have a friend that's building a home, she certainly wants to listen to this podcast or should anyway. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to nancyhugo.com. And if you have any questions, 
questions for me, you can email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. And as Chris stated, his website and his email before. So if you have any questions, and uh, that would be interesting for you to directly talk to Chris or email him with your questions. And then I would like to know what kind of questions you're asked. I'll let you know. Thank you. <laughs> hey, everybody, stay safe. Have a great day. And until next time. Bye, Chris. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.